and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, it is the Wolf and Luke Show on a big red Monday. Wolf, how are yes. you doing over there? <laughs> I'm still mourning, as you know, of course, the brutality of it all. I mean, this is... What happened yesterday, of course, at State Farm Stadium, this is really bad for so many different reasons, Luke. Um, but you know what, Dave Pash, the season is not over. Yeah. <laughs> All right, David? I'm not going to say it. They're one and two. It was bad, and it was really bad. And Basin Onions, we're going to be talking about that badness for probably the next four hours. Um, but at the same time, one and two is not the end of the world. No, it isn't. And we'll start there. And we are, we're going to be joined by Kyle Vandenbosch later on in the show. Obviously, we have our weekly exclusive with Cliff Kingsbury in the final hour of the show. Kellen Olson's going to join us because Suns Media Day is going on today, too. And we'll talk about Jay Crowder uh, in a little bit as well because it's pretty, pretty officially clear at this point he won't be back with the Suns. But yeah, we got to start with the game yesterday, Wolf. And, and I think. I think you have to start. I know you like to, to parachute in from 30,000 feet. I think you're probably going to land on the offense, though, aren't you? Because that was supposed to be the identity of this team. And to me, you you play the Rams, you lose to the Rams. It's a close game. You give up 20 points. You slow down Cooper Cup. I'm not saying the defense played great. But for the most part, the defense did enough for you to win the game. If you had told me at the start of the game, we're going to have a we're going to go three and out, and, and then the punt's going to get blocked. Yes, The Rams are going to be able to just jump on us early again, but the Rams are only going to score 20 points? Yeah. like, okay, the Cardinals, they're actually going to win this game. Yeah, you know, Mike, get in the end zone. Exactly right. The first note that I wrote down is, the Cardinals should have won this game. And I never say that. I never say that. The Cardinals should have won this game. Um... You give up 20 points to the defending Super Bowl champions. You give up 20 points, and somehow, some way, you can't scrape out 21 on the offensive side of the ball. That, to me, is I, I can't even tell you how discouraged I am at this point in time when I talk about the offense for the Arizona Cardinals. Anybody that listened to the offseason, yeah, I look really dumb right now. Let's just say it the way that it is. Because, honestly, I thought this is going to be a Super Bowl-caliber offense. Super Bowl caliber. Why? Because of the names. Because of a Pro Bowl quarterback in Kyler Murray. Because of DeAndre Hopkins at some point in time when D-Hop gets back. Because of Hollywood Brown. Because of Zach Ertz. Their, their wide receiver room is banged up. It's an absolute mess. No doubt about that. Yet at the same time, they still have an offense that I think should be able to score 21 points in a game. When your defense only gives up 20, somehow, some way, this offense with the names they have that were out on the field, you need to score 21. And that didn't happen. 
and um, I get fired up when I think about it, but this entire season so far, these three games, and again, the sample size is relatively small, but these three games right now, the offense has been a disappointment, and there's no other way to cut it. The the Rams, look, they have a good defense. Jalen Ramsey played a monster game yesterday. They have Aaron Donald. I understand all that, but they've given up 58 points in their first two games. Yes, some to Buffalo, some to Atlanta. And to your point, Wolf, if you can't score 21 points to win a game at home, how are you supposed to have confidence in where this team is ultimately going? Because, again, they were built around the offense. Now, I know I said this last week, but it's becoming more true by the week. And, I, and I'll go ahead and I'll set Hollywood Brown aside for a second. I thought he had a really good game yesterday. Obviously, he did. He had 14 catches for 140 sure. yards. And Greg Dortch continues to be impressive to me. But if this offense suddenly starts clicking in Week 7 just because DeAndre Hopkins came back, like that's good, I guess, because that's a good way to jumpstart your season. But it's going to be kind of annoying, honestly, if it's just like, well, we can't do anything thing with DeAndre, but we'll just wait till he gets back before we get going because it shouldn't, one player should not make that much of a difference two seasons in a row unless you're Green Bay and it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if it's your quarterback, it's a little bit different, but one receiver, no matter how great he is, shouldn't just shut down your offense if he isn't there. No, that's a great point by you, Luke, and that's kind of what I'm wondering about as well as I look at it. Their offense looks lost, and that's what they looked last year without D-Hop. That was the only word that would suffice. Lost. They look lost, and they look lost again right now. And they have too much talent on the offensive side of the ball to actually look lost. When when will they not look lost? When will they look found? That is the question that I ask. When? This is Kyler Murray after the game who addressed the the fact that they could move the ball at times yesterday, but they just couldn't actually get in the end zone to end those drives. I mean, their team was, uh, you know, they, when they get up like that, I mean, it's they're playing soft zone and everything's in front of them. Uh, let, the, let, the, let the guys up front go get the quarterback. Um, O-line played great today. Um, you know, we, we got the ball out, but... Uh, it's you know that's what they want to do you know that's their you know they want to they want to be up they want to attack the quarterback and uh let their guys go get the quarter you know go get the passer so um i thought we did a good job you know in in in, in protection um and in complete getting completion and stuff like that but we just didn't finish we didn't put the ball in the end zone No, they did not finish. They did not play well in the red zone once again. And one of the reasons why they did not play well in the red zone, in my opinion, is because they didn't run the ball well in the red zone. They didn't run the ball very often in the red zone. They didn't run it well. And to me, they didn't run it well overall in the entire game. And that, to me, is something that I'm a little annoyed at. It's not like like the Rams are a great rush defense. They're right in the middle of the league for the most part. Yeah. That's where they've been, right? They're right in the middle of the league. Aaron Donald is a nightmare. We all understand that. But I thought the Cardinals were actually going to be able to run the ball, certainly in between the tackles, a lot better than they did. And that showed up in the red zone. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking of the one drive in particular where they got inside the five, and it's first and goal, and you run a direct snap to James Conner, and then you have to 
to pass the next two plays. And it's just like, this is what James Conner was so good at last year. And this is why I think in a lot of ways they were able to jump out to 7-0 and and 10-2 and last year is when they got inside the five, it was just James Conner getting the end zone. Just a normal handoff sure. to James Conner. Whereas the year before, that wasn't there. And I'm not saying they would have won the game because of that yesterday. But you know what? They might have. Yeah. See, you know, that to me, that specific play right there that you're talking about, uh, first down inside the five-yard line, that specific play, it, it makes me think it's about the play and not the player. And I am an old school guy. Uh, no, I that's will, what I'm saying. And I will tell you right now, I believe it's about the player. You you ought to be able to line up, and the defense ought to know, okay, this is probably what's going to happen. That's what and James Conner's good and at. guess what? You, stop it. You ought to be able to come off the ball and do your job, even though the other guy is good, too. Even though he gets paid to stop you. Yes, indeed. Um, you still ought to be able to come off the ball and hammer the ball into the end zone in that situation. And that, I think, is where this team needs to continue continue to grow is putting the onus on the players as opposed to the play. And just it, I don't know that anybody would have faulted the Cardinals and, and you know this is not the best way to attack inside the five. I get that. But would anybody have really been that upset if it was like okay first and goal we're going to hand off to James Conner and if that doesn't work we're going to hand off to James Conner and then maybe on third down you have to do something different or maybe just hand off to James Conner again. I mean we just watched Cleveland against Pittsburgh on Thursday yeah. night. Cleveland doesn't have their quarterback and it's run with Nick Chubb and he's going to get you the yards and yeah. I don't think I don't fans, you know least. if you don't make it fans would be upset yeah and that's fine I mean that's that's inherent just I'm in with general I do the same I do it four times you want to go fourth down line up from there run it four times and say stop us you're just you're not going to make you everybody know, happy but I don't me. I'm fat and old I don't know why you need to run like a weird play where you're direct snapping to James Conner when points are an issue right now because then you're in second down you basically have to throw and this is one play I don't want to harp on one play this is not this is not the game but just to your point of can you run the ball? Is it going to be tough against the Rams? Yeah, but the bar was raised last year. You won 11 games. Like To get where you want to go, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to win some of these games. Big picture, 1-2 and two after a loss to the Rams doesn't end your season, but it was a winnable game yesterday. That's That to me is like you left a win on the table yesterday. Yes. And I don't they know... should have won that game. I don't know that I would have expected that at the start of the year when you said, okay, these guys are hurt and Hopkins is suspended and it's the Rams coming to town. I didn't expect to win on Friday, Wolf. I, I said, I'm not going to expect to win over the Rams until I actually see it. But now, looking back, it was there yesterday for the taking. All right, we come back. What exactly did happen in the Cardinals' 2012 loss to L.A.? We're going to take you through it all with Big Red Reacts next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Love you, bro. Love you. Love you. Let's, go. Let's be the best. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to the show. We're out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is Wolf and Luke. Cardinals coming off a 20-12 loss to the Rams. So now 1-2 and two to start this season. You know, Wolf, towards the end of that game, and I'm not saying the Cardinals played you know well across the board, but I just kept thinking if you didn't get off to the start you got off to, you know, it was fairly even from about the second quarter on, at least score-wise. And if you had found a way to win this game, you'd be in first place in the NFC West right now, even though it wouldn't have necessarily felt like it. Just one or two plays on offense yesterday go differently, and you're somehow, you're the 2-1 and one team. San Francisco's losing, Seattle losing, and the Rams would have been 1-2. and two. 
I don't know. Uh, like we said, going to break, it just felt like a real missed opportunity yesterday, and we still haven't seen enough from the offense for me to feel confident even going next week against Carolina. No, you're you're right. The offense has got a ton to prove. The offense has got a ton to prove. I I, I cannot tell you how disappointed I am and what we have seen from the offense so far. Now, even last week, even when you go back against the Raiders, of course, in that second half, it took incredible plays by Kyler Murray, who is so incredibly talented, for them to actually find a way to tie that game, to go into overtime. It's, it's the offense not looking like the offense of the first 12 weeks of last season that has really got me annoyed. Okay, this, this game did not have all the twists and turns that the Raiders game had, obviously, but it is time for Big Red Reacts. Wolf and Luke. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Wicopa Casino Resort, where world-class action meets four diamond splendor. Low snap on fourth down. Andy Lee has it blocked at the 30-yard line, and it's recovered by the Rams at the 35. 22-yard attempt for Matt Gay to get the Rams on the board after the block punt. At least come away with something. Snap, ball is down, a kick on the way, and the kick is good. Stafford takes, and Cooper Cup on a jet sweep pass. It totally fools the Cardinals. 10-5 walk-in touchdown. That totally fooled the Cardinals. He came in motion, took it on a jet sweep to the far side. All the Cardinals were running to the left of the formation. Cooper was running to the other side and he walks in basically from 20 yards out for the first touchdown of the game. Murray back to pass. Pumps left being chased. Hit at the 30. Gets rid of the ball as he's about to be sacked. Incomplete, but they're going to call him for grounding maybe. There was no foul in the play for intentional grounding. The quarterback's knee was down. Oh, his knee was down. down. Kick on the way and the kick hugs the right upright, hits the upright and goes in. It was hugging the upright, then it hit it, but ricocheted to the left of the upright and into the net for three points. Matt Prater on for a field goal try. Snap, spot, the kick is on the way, and the kick is good. So at least the Cardinals get points. Snap is good. Ball is down. The kick from Prater is on the way, and the kick is good. The Cardinals, with two seconds to go in the half, are down just seven. And Stafford back to throw in trouble and sacked by J.J. Watt at the 20-yard line. J.J. got back there to take down Stafford for a loss of eight on the play. 49-yard field goal try by Matt Prater. Snap, ball is down. The kick from Prater has plenty of leg, and the kick is good. Prater is three for three. It's now 13-9. Second and four on the Arizona 14. Skoranek is in at fullback in front of Akers. Stafford under center. Cup in motion left to right. Stafford takes. Give to Akers. Running left. Got a crease of the 10 to the 5. And dies for the end zone. They haven't signaled yet. Now they do. Touchdown. Touchdown Akers off the left side with a minute to go in the third to stretch the lead to 10 for now. Stafford takes the snap. Hands for Akers up the middle. And Akers fumbled the ball. And it's recovered by the Cardinals at the 2-yard line. They still have life. Lee is the holder. Snap to Lee. Puts it down. The kick from Prater is on the way. It's good. Stafford under center. Takes the snap. Takes a knee. This one's over. Two more weeks until the Cardinals get another chance to win their first home game since October of 2021. 
Yeah, you know, Dave Pash just kind of threw that in there at the end, Wolf. We haven't even talked about that. This team has to find a way to start winning football games at home. It's it's not. This is not. Well, you know, you're just looking at two or three games against really good teams. Yes, yesterday's the Rams, but come on. At some point, you need to win games at home if you want to be a playoff team and you want to ultimately go anywhere. Um, I will say this before we dive into some of the the back and forth of, of what we just heard in Big Red Reacts. Buda Baker forcing a fumble from Cam Akers. I felt like that was poetic justice after the way the uh, playoff game went last year and yeah. Buda was hurt and Akers was kind of standing over him. I just that one moment That's, of the game yesterday I enjoyed. Look at you with the memory right, right. there. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, you know what, honestly, the the block punt more than anything else really bothered me. The way that it started for this team overall, I would say in all three phases, of course, it was really, really bad offensively defensively and in transition with special teams the block punt that to me just can't have it i know jeff rogers of course a special teams coach he's an excellent coach for the arizona cardinals jeff rogers would be the first guy to tell you that you cannot have that happen you can't do it punt pro of all of your special teams punt pro is the one team you can't have any mess ups on and deontay thompson i called him jalen Thompson in the middle of the broadcast. Oh, that got me so jacked Big up. Big upgrade, though. So mad at myself. But Deontay Thompson, of course, you've got to be stout. A personal protector. This is what I played. So I know exactly what the rules are. You can never back up as a personal protector. Never back up. That is the one thing you're not going to do. You're going to put your heels at six. You're not going to back up ever. And you're going to be stout. You're going to meet force with force and he wasn't as stout as he needs to be. And I know this is what Jeff Rogers is going to be telling him today. And I know ultimately Deontay Thompson knows that as well. It's not going to be a surprise to him, but that block punt, man. It resulted, of course, in three points. I know that's not a big deal, but it was a big deal early uh, in this game. It set the tone for this game, and the fact that it resulted in only three points says more about the defense than anything else, but it just goes back to, and I know I threw the stat out when we did the crosstalk with Bickley and Murata Wolf, but I, I, at a certain point in the fourth quarter yesterday, I, I just felt inclined to look for this this number. I mean, they haven't led a game since the Seattle game back on January 9th. That's week 18 of last regular season. Yes. And it's just, it's stuff like that. How can you start the game? Okay, three and out, block punt. Well, we're already down. And then three and out, and then and now we're down by even more. And it's like, you're not giving yourself a chance realistically to win these games. You don't need to start a race with the Rams and give them a head start. You just, you don't, they have to find a way to fix that. Like, now. Yeah. <laughs> or the season's going to slip like, away. Like, now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on the now part of it. Um, look, uh, you know, it's funny you say that. They haven't had a lead. Uh, I felt so encouraged at halftime when they were down 13-6. So because the Rams had totally dominated the half. It's the sort of game that you hear when oh. you're on the other side of, why are we only up by seven? Oh. And then it slips away. So I was like, hey, maybe the Cardinals could do this to the Rams. Look, that's the kind of thing that you go into halftime and is a player, you go, oh my goodness, we're only down seven points after that half? Guys, we can't play any worse. 
We can't play any worse than we did in that first half. And we're only down seven points. We got a shot to win this game. That, I, I honestly thought that's what we we're going to see. And I think we started to see it in that third quarter. And then it got sideways once again on the Cardinals. And that, to me, is where they lost this game. They needed to totally seize the moment in that third quarter and win that third quarter hands down. And they didn't. What do you make of this stat? And they flashed it during the game, and then it actually got even more pronounced. They've gone for it on fourth down already 14 times. That's the most an NFL team has gone for it in the first three games since 1991, Wolf. And they've been, you know, for the most part successful, 10 of 14. We can get more into the specific plays later on in the show, but they went for it at one point, fourth down at their own 20, and they converted. But uh, that, to me, was like, and they even said it. I was shocked. (laughs) Even on the TV broadcast, they said flat out, this is what they're going to be talking about on sports radio in Phoenix tomorrow if they don't convert this. (laughs) Yes, if they don't convert it, of course, and they didn't. You know, um, that I actually thought was Cliff trying to scare his offense into playing better. Like, demand. Okay, fourth down. Okay, here we go. You know, again, I don't know if this is the case. We'll ask Cliff when he's here, but I thought he was trying to literally say, you better get your butt going right now, and maybe this will get you jump-started. And he did it twice on that possession. Did it three times, as a matter of fact. He didn't kick the field goal. Uh-uh. So, early on, let me just say that. Um, I-, I believe I believe that Cliff was trying to jump-start his offense in that first half. And then I thought it he was trying to do the exact same thing in the second. As opposed to kicking the field goal at 11.29, I think he looked at it and said, I'm going to jump start this offense once again, and I think that was the wrong decision. Well, they are 10 of 14 on fourths this year, so that's, I mean, that's not awful, just that it's a lot. They're much better on fourth than they are on third. They're 12 of 43 on third. So not even close. Maybe convert more on third. You don't have to go for it so much on fourth. Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line? at 620-620 right now. All right, what do you think of the Cardinals' defense? Three games in, and Isaiah Simmons is... Is he a part of this now? What is what is happening? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Here we go! Quick! Yeah! Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, Wolf. Actually, hold on. Before we even jump back into the defense, you just heard Sarah's update about the Pro Bowl. I know you are a, you have strong feelings about the Pro Bowl in general. Your reaction during the break is one that only I saw. What are you thinking right now? You know, it's just incredible. Um, you knew this was going to happen at some point in time. The actual game for the Pro Bowl was going to go bye-bye. And that's exactly what just happened. Yeah. It's gone. It was. It, it was. It had been trending that way. <laughs> it had been trending that way for like five to ten years. So I'm, I'm, on one hand, I'm kind of surprised it took this long. But on the other hand, 
people people bet on the Pro Bowl. Can you yes, believe that? No, That's probably no. why it took this long. Cannot even understand that right now. But um, you knew this was going to happen at some point in time, and it has. The Pro Bowl is not going to be, they're not going to play the game. <laughs> and they shouldn't play the game because it was a joke, and we all know it was a joke. Well, to all my friends out there who bet on the Pro Bowl, the NFL just did you a favor. Now you can focus on betting on the Ravens in preseason, but <laughs> don't bet on the Pro oh my Bowl. Goodness. Uh, all right, the defense. By the way, if you're betting on the Pro Bowl, you might want to make a call. There's, <laughs> there's help out there. Well, there's uh, now you're leaving. This is the ultimate help. There is no Pro Bowl for you to bet on. Don't bet on the flag football game either. Uh, the the defense yesterday, and I don't want to. I don't want to fall into this trap. Because I think this is my natural personality of like looking for positives yesterday because that was another loss and they really they can't afford a whole lot more of these at the start of this season. So I, I'm going to start here, Wolf. These first three games, if you had told me a month ago they're going to come out of this one and two, I wouldn't have been excited, but I would have taken it, honestly. One and two these first three games yeah. with the thought that as guys start to come back and especially as DeAndre Hopkins comes back in a few weeks they are more at least set up to turn things around, right? You're just kind of in survival mode early this season. But the caveat to that is the the stretch of the schedule where it's excusable maybe to have some losses, it's over. Yeah. Like now you got Carolina this week. You have to beat Carolina. You can't lose to Carolina. <laughs> and, and the defense is – I didn't expect the defense to be playing better than the offense – but I kind of think that's where we are right now. You know, honestly, okay, where do I start on this one right Good luck. here? Um, how about the fact that they're one and two once again? Can I agree with you on that? I think we all looked at the schedule. And again, if you were, if you were going to make a prediction, which I never do, but if you were going to sit there and guess as to who might win this thing, could you see the Cardinals at one and two after three weeks? Yeah, you could have seen that because of who they played in the first three games. Nobody knew the Raiders. We're going to be 0-3, but it's not like the Raiders are getting blown out of games. They are not getting blown out of games. Um, to me, you would have taken 1-2 and two for the most part, realizing that D-Hop is not out there, and some other guys, some critical guys as well, are not out there as well, especially in the wide receiver room, just how bad that is. You would have taken 1-2 and two and ran. It's well, the how. Yeah, it's the how. It's the how. Because the losses are to the Chiefs and the Rams. It's the how they have played that has been so discouraging. Now, over the last six quarters, somehow, someway, this defense, this defense over the last six quarters has given up 23 points. <laughs> to the Raiders uh, and the Rams. To the Raiders good and the offenses. Rams. I, I mean, honestly, would you take that? Yes, you would. And that's why you got to get greedy right now, and you got to put the onus on the offense and say, what are you doing? But, and this is where my, my true frustration comes here, my, maybe my biggest frustration, honestly, is the Isaiah Simmons conversation isn't going away, Wolf. He played 16 plays yesterday. Well, that's better than 15. It's better, I guess that's true. He improved by a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, he was announced with the starters. We had the, 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 the comments from, uh, from Vance Joseph last week. If you know it's some of its scheme, i got to put the right players out there depending who we're playing. Yeah, I, I get all that for a lot of players, but this is a guy you took top 10 in the draft just a couple years ago and a guy that you talked up so much in the offseason and a guy that has made plays already in this league. He's not a rookie. We saw him make plays last year and even a couple plays his rookie year and a play last week to win the game against the Raiders. A guy that you talked up so much that he almost sounded like he was everybody's backup on the depth chart on yeah. defense. So, again, I will say... 
the way they were viewing Isaiah Simmons or the way they were talking about him and building him up, he seemed matchup proof of no matter what team you're playing, Isaiah Simmons will be out there. He might be playing a different role, but he'll be out there. Yeah. This is two weeks in a row where he basically isn't out there. Yeah, no, I'm with you on this one. Listen, this defense overall has got me in a state of conflict. It does. Um, I'm encouraged on one hand. I really am. I'm encouraged because I think they've got some young guys that are actually getting better. Um, some young guys that maybe this this can solidify a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. And yet there are two guys in particular that I'm looking at that I am discouraged this Monday morning. And Isaiah Simmons is the first. Isaiah Simmons played less snaps than Ben Neiman. I, I, this is not that an sound attack. you heard was me falling out of this, this chair. This is not an attack on Ben Neiman based on earnings. It is not. But Isaiah Simmons has, I, he's, I mean, the fact that Ben Neiman is getting more snaps than Isaiah Simmons, it, it tells me that Isaiah Simmons may not be the best option for the Arizona Cardinals. Because you're not going to play guys that are inferior. You're not going to do it to other guys. And I'm I'm wondering if Isaiah Simmons is at that point right now. I thought week two could have been a disciplinary issue. Now all of a sudden to back it up with a game where he gets 16 reps, um, that's a spot guy. That's not a starter. And but, that just blows my mind. And I agree with you that that's how this looks. And, and honestly, last week, for him to sit most of the first half and then kind of play more as the game went on, that, that did sort of feel like, hey, it's college. You are being disciplined. You're going to sit a half, basically. But then he comes in. We hear that he practiced well. And he comes in and makes plays in the, in the second half. And overtime, specifically, he makes the play. And if he's not playing again this week... What are we supposed to think other than what you just said of he's not the best guy for the job? So, yeah, are you going to put the whole team behind him and say, well, we got to get him reps and got to get him developed. So, sorry, guys, you're going to have to suffer. No, ideally not. But if he really isn't the best guy for the job and it's not even close. And again, I'll do respect to Ben Neiman, but you didn't take him with a top 10 pick a couple years ago. I don't understand how they know Isaiah Simmons suddenly isn't the guy after one bad game against the Chiefs. Maybe he isn't, but I don't understand how you know it after one bad game against the Chiefs. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. It's the most discouraging thing in regard to Isaiah Simmons is, man, you know, you don't take any snaps in preseason, as you said, and he gets the green dot coming out in week one, and yeah, this is exactly what we're expecting. Isaiah Simmons and the big year we're going to have with Isaiah Simmons, and then to see him struggle the way that he did, it's yeah, it's perplexing right now. And Zayvon Collins, for the most part, as well. Zayvon Collins, his arrow is still pointing up, in my opinion. But there were two plays. There were only two that were were just brutal to me. And it was him missing Matthew Stafford on a third and 11. It was a critical point to the game. They actually got points out of it, if I'm not mistaken. A third and 11 where they could have gotten off the field. Could have been a sack. The one thing you couldn't do was miss him and Zayvon Collins. Collins missed him, and credit Matthew Stafford for spinning out of it, but Matthew Stafford is not the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. He missed on that, and not only that, he got blocked by a wide receiver, Ben Skoranek, who is is playing fullback as well. He is a fullback and a wide receiver. Skoranek did a nice job getting into Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins did not use good technique and allowed himself to be blocked by a wide receiver. Not only blocked, but got injured. 
injured trying to take the block on. Ben Skoranek lit him up, and there's no other way you can say it. You, remember, you have to say the truth when you watch the tape, and he lit up Zayvon Collins. You remember talking to Zoe last week about this before it happened, and you brought up Ben Skoranek is just lining up as a fullback on some plays, and Zoe was like, I would take that personally, basically. I'm not getting blocked by a wide receiver. He was in the backfield for both of the Rams rushing touchdowns yesterday, Wolf. All right, we come back. We're switching gears to basketball. Suns media day is going on, and Jay Crowder's going to miss camp. It sounds like he's going to get traded, actually. So what's next? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, basketball is here. The Suns uh, not quite playing games yet, but they are talking to the media today. Uh, look, media day is always a big deal, right? Because it means the season's coming up and camp's starting and preseason's right around the corner. That first game against the team from Australia is this Sunday. So we're going to see Suns basketball start up in six days. Wow. Um, but media day this year, I would say, carries a lot more weight to it for a lot of reasons. And we're seeing some of the quotes. I said Kellen Olsen will join us later on in the show. He's obviously there front row, I'm sure, sitting there with his recorder. So we're going to talk to Kellen in a little bit and get uh, his sense of, of just the vibe around the team right now. But I'm reading some of the stuff that's out there and they they didn't run away from the Robert Sarver conversation, so we'll have that audio at some point. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, this, this came to, I guess, a close over the weekend until a trade actually happens. But Jay Crowder's not going to be here. In fact, uh, they put out a statement the Suns did and said the Phoenix Suns and forward Jay Crowder have mutually agreed that he will not be with the team for training camp, unquote. But it sure sounds like they're actually parting ways. He was he was Instagramming and tweeting stuff out, too, that was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be here, so yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and you know what? I, I know you want to talk about Jay Crowder. I do want to talk about Jay Crowder as well, but I, I have to do this, man. <sighs> I just, where you're sitting right now, it feels like a brand new start. Does it feel like a new start to you and the Suns? And yet here they are. They're kind of running it back. They're running it back with the the players that everyone is going to be counting on, I know, in a crunch time situation in another Game 7 to actually win a game. They're running these guys back. Yeah, that's not going to have JaVale McGee. There won't be Jay Crowder as well. And I miss those guys because I thought they brought a lot of physicality and a lot of toughness to this team. But they're running it back and it seems like a new start, a new beginning. Maybe it's because DA's coming off signing the extension. Maybe that's what it is right there. Maybe it's Robert Sarver selling the team a brand new start. The sun is rising, literally. It feels that way metaphorically, and literally, it's going to do that today and has done it and will do it tomorrow as well. It feels like a new start for this team. And that makes me exhale. It, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the team right now in town. If you are a sports fan in the city, that it's almost a relief that they're starting, isn't it? Yes. Because you look and, and you know, the, the Diamondbacks have had a lot of good this year and a rebuild, but the bullpen is just, it, it's mind-boggling. And it's, it, that's one of the worst things you can have consistently go wrong on a baseball team, just for your morale as a fan base and as a team. The Cardinals, I mean, we're talking about how, how frustrating this has been, just the way this season has started. doesn't mean they can't turn it around, but in this moment right now, it's a sense of frustration for a lot of fans. You know, the Coyotes are, are in a rebuild. ASU 
is a mess right now. There's no yes. other way to put it. But the Suns, yeah, okay, last season ended badly, and there was all the Sarver stuff. Yes. But to your point, Sarver's selling the team. Yes. And the only way to put last season behind you is to go out and start this season, and that's about to start. So the Suns right now are the light at the, at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And speaking of that light in the tunnel, I think of the locker room. I do, once again, where you've got this umbrella over you known as the Phoenix Suns organization, and now all of a sudden, Robert Sarver, this investigation comes out. He's selling the team, and who knows who's going to buy the team. But inside that tunnel, that locker room, so to speak, there is a light inside that locker room. And it's the game of basketball. And it's Monty Williams. And it's James Jones. And it's Chris Paul. And it's Devin Booker. And it's DeAndre Ayton. It is the leadership of this team. Mikal Bridges going forward that is going to get a new opportunity and a new chance and a new start. It's a new day. I, to me, I who knows what we're going to see but I think it's going to be good. I don't know how good, but I think it's going to be good overall. Well, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, audio that we're getting now from Media Day today, so I want to play some of these. Let's start with Chris Paul and his comments on the Robert Sarver findings. It was unfortunate. Um, you know, that uh, stuff going on in the workplace, you know, is, is, is really unfortunate. So just like... I'm sure everybody felt, you know, thoughts and prayers to all those involved. And, um, you know, you try to control what you can control. And, um, you know, I can't speak for all the, the players and everything like that. But uh, it was uh, it was tough to, to read and it was disturbing. Yeah, it was. It was tough to read. There's no doubt. And, you know, these guys knew about it and knew a lot more than we did going through last season. And they had the tunnel effect last year, I think, inside that locker room. And I think Chris Paul was one of the reasons why. Uh, Here's Monty Williams from today, his reaction to the Sarver findings. A lot like James, um, there was a bit of shock. Um, There was... A moment where I was in disbelief when you see uh, the bullet points and then when you go through it. All right, well, that was no good. <laughs> I guess that was it for Monty there. Monty had more to say. We'll get you more, uh, I'm sure, throughout the show. But uh, I'm reading some of the quotes, and at one point he used the word disgusted, which is not typically something you hear from Monty Williams. You know what I mean? And look, obviously justified, <laughs> but I'm just saying I didn't know how much Monty and James Jones were going to talk today about that. The, obviously, they're going to be asked about it, but there are a lot of other topics, and I didn't know how much they were going to spin it forward to those other topics. Monty Williams and James Jones, at least from what I'm seeing right now, uh, they did not run away from it, and they weren't real happy. You know, it's funny because a good friend of mine told me in PR, of course, public relations, that um, if you if you have to eat crud, don't nibble. <laughs> all right, I mean, it's a, it's a probably some truth. I, to that. I'm just saying, my brothers. All right, think about it. Use your imagination. If you have to eat crud, uh, don't nibble. Gobble, swallow the whole thing. I think I think it's a situation right now with Monty. Williams, of course, and James Jones and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, everybody that has to talk about this, get it out now, because you want
want to you don't want to nibble at this so that it lingers so that people are constantly asking you as you're trying to do your job and become the best basketball player and team you can possibly be you don't want people in the media asking you a bunch of questions about this you need to address it at media day get it over with eat it all so to speak, and then forget about it going forward. It does sort of seem like a story that because Sarver announced last week he's he's going to sell the team, that it's now mostly just a topic for the Suns at Media Day. You know what I mean? Whereas if, if, if nothing had changed last week and Sarver's like, I'm coming back in, you know, in, in one year, I think this would be a topic of conversation at a lot of different Media Days. Now I think it's just kind of a Suns thing that these guys either have to or maybe wanted to voice their opinion sure. on it. We haven't heard all of it yet today. Media Day is still going on. But to your point, now, because he's selling the team, I don't think this is a question that Chris Paul and Monty Williams are going to get asked on you know December 14th or something. After and even then, even then, you can say, I'm not commenting on that. Because, because they have. Talked. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to play this one real quick. I don't know how long the audio is, though, so we'll play this a little bit later on. James Jones was asked about uh, Kevin Durant, too. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of forget that that even happened this offseason with so much going on. When we come back, all right, back to football. What exactly is causing these slow starts for the Cardinals? This does go back to last year. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.